Welcome to the Conscious Conversations podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Nick Paladino King. And I'm Nitin Gerg. We are transformational coaches and yogis from the San Francisco Bay Area. And this is a podcast for people looking to take their lives to the next level. Through these conversations, we aim to raise the consciousness of our lives, the lives of our listeners, and the wholeness. So get ready to join us on this great adventure of life by taking a moment to settle in, become fully present in this moment, and see where the journey takes you next. Hey, everybody. Get ready for today's awesome episode with leadership coach Stephen McGee. Myself, Nitin, and Stephen dive into conscious listening, understanding how to tap into our inner source and guidance, and also really how to trust ourselves as, as leaders. For any of you leaders out there, we highly suggest you listen to this one. It's going to give you great insights on trusting yourself, empowering your staff, and bringing more conscious awareness and empowerment to your, your company. So dive in and get ready for another awesome conscious conversation. All right. Welcome in, everybody, to Conscious Conversations. I'm Nick Paldino-King with uh, Stephen McGee here. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here. I got, I'm got i sitting here with my cream golden. He's chilling out, so he's uh, going to be part of the podcast in a way in a way as well. Very cool. Very cool. What's your, what's your pup's name? Actually, interesting way to start. His name is Hugh, but it's spelled H-U, which is Sanskrit for white light or God. So if you think of the of, of the language human, like human, God man, or humor, more laughter, more light, all that stuff. But I named him H U as in you. Very cool, very cool. I've only heard my my teacher Dennis refer break down the Sanskrit of human before of God man. So it sounds like we're already starting off in a cool spot. <laughs> yeah, so I get to say what I call him. I don't want to now because I don't want to knock over my computer, but. Uh, when I say H U, he comes running, so I get to I get to say the I get to say the Sanskrit name of God about a thousand times a day, which is all right with me. Hey, that's a good that's a good hack right there. Yeah. All right, Nitin, you join it. You can hear us loud and clear. Yeah, we can hear you guys pretty good. Can how about you guys? Can you hear me all right? Clear as a bell. Perfect. All right. Awesome. Perfect. I noticed we had a new setup today, so sorry. It took me a couple minutes to get in here. It's all good. We're trying to go high tech. We're stepping it up, stepping it up. Hey, I'm glad you guys are going next level, but I think it's working really well. We did the same thing, Nit, and it took us a minute to pivot over here, but we're all good now. Perfect. Wait, where are we at? I heard I heard uh, the word just... God, and I was like, okay, I think I caught you guys at the right moment. <laughs> we just kicked off. Uh, Stephen, why don't you introduce yourself, kind of tell us uh, what's alive for you, maybe some some highlights, and then we'll dive into uh, what feels alive for all of us in this moment? Yeah. So, I'm, you know, firstly, I want to thank you guys for doing this. I'm, I'm always grateful to be in a conversation that has, you know, meaning to it. And uh, it seems like you guys are really devoted to that. So grateful to be here. I'm Stephen McGee. Uh, if I were to call myself something, it would probably be leadership guide. Although really, I don't, I don't even know anymore what it, what it is I really do. I've been up to this uh, transformation business for 30 years now, and uh, you know, just keep learning and growing along the way. So you know, I work with executives. I've done culture change programs. I'm super excited about a program that I started during COVID in 2020 called the L4, which uh, is light. 
which is the spiritual light. And, and it's ecumenical in nature, guys. So someone could even be agnostic or atheist and be a part of this program because it isn't about anything that, that I believe the light is. It's what each individual sees as the light in themselves and or in others. So it's light leadership, which is a contributory leadership, meaning a service consciousness to assist people, humanity, conscious conversations in the planet, and then longevity, which I think you guys are both into the well-being scene. You both look super fit and healthy, like you take care of yourselves. So there are the hacks on longevity, including morning rituals, uh, you know, prayer, meditation, breath work, cognitive function, immunity function. And the last L is life. So how do all those things like relate to life? That's the L4. I've been really having fun with that. And it seems to be pretty popular for most people these days to dive in and take a deeper look at those four L's in their own lives. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think we're, we're definitely all doing the same, very similar stuff here. Very similar stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I always love how like, like attracts like. Yeah, what, what you are seeking is also seeking you. I know that sounds like over overly simplified, but I think it's true when you put out an intention to meet people like you guys. Uh, it just seems like my life is more and more filled with that at a time on the planet mm -hmm. when things are tricky or wonky or whatever words you want to put to it. And the, the four L's, Stefan, that you, you just mentioned, you know, to summarize for the audience, because I know you went through them a, a little bit quick to make sure everyone caught what the four L's were. You said light, leadership, longevity, and then life. That's awesome. Yeah, that would be, I think, even just right there, that, you know, I know that I saw it on your site, you've been teaching this for a very long time. Just even those four words, I'm sure to unpack, you know, your philosophy behind it would be an amazing conversation. Well, I think they're, they're you know, they're nicely integrated, you know. So without leadership, it's pretty hard to have a well-being practice of longevity, you know, without, in my opinion, without the light. Like, so there's something bigger than me, you know, there's a there's a light action that occurs for my own transformation. So. I teach a, as part of the L4, a, a methodology I call the grace plan. And everyone gets to decide what grace means to them. You know, a loose definition of grace might be unmerited favor, meaning I don't have to work my ass off to earn it. I might just get, you know, grace on some things. So, you know, to give you an example, one step in that methodology is to get empty. And so I, again, I don't tell people what to think or do. I just say, what would it mean for you to get empty? It might mean, for some, a water fast. For others, it might be a, a journaling practice, like freeform writing. For others, it might be meditation where they do the best they can to get their mind quiet, you know? So, but to be emptied out, you know, I've always said nature abhors a vacuum. So when there's an emptiness, there's room and space for something more to come in. So that's kind of a very short version of, uh, the, the grace plan is a part of the L4 program. But yeah, to your point, Nitin, it's, it's super integrated and they seem to fit very nicely together. Uh, and so it's, it's important to get empty in order to let something come in. That's, yeah. a, that's a beautiful way to put it. I've, I've actually never had someone describe that so simply. Um, mm. 
you know, the, the reason maybe you might want to meditate or sometimes, you know, I know we talk about fasting as a way to also detox the body, but it's also a way to, yeah, you're right. Letting in what you then want to start with. Yeah. To, to create a space, you know, and even if, if we, if we mess around with another L here, just in the, in, in terms of creativity today, like listening, and teaching mm-hmm. leadership for so long, it did. It used to be listening was not a leadership attribute. It was more directive, command and control. I'm going to tell people what to do, and hopefully, I'm right about what I tell them to do. But I think the single most important attribute to leadership is listening. But it's not for content. Like most people go, well, I listen, and I go, how well? Because we might mm-hmm. be having prejudice or a prejudgment about what the person's going to say. So there's no listening at all. So there is listening to someone as an inquiry or a discovery. But moreover, the question is, how well do you listen to yourself? Like, how well do I listen to my own inner guidance? Do I act on my inner guidance? Am I finally tuned in my inner guidance? So I go, this is the thing for me to do today, even though my strategic plan was to do something else. Will I, will I disengage from a plan to listen to my inner guidance uh, thus creating better results in terms of my own listening of self and others. So this is just a fun overarching topic. I could, I could tell you guys are like well versed in it. Well, I mean, and as you're, as you're saying that, I mean, to me, it's leadership. Listening is a superpower. It's an absolute superpower. And you even alluded at it. It's like the ability to do, to do less, but achieve more through that, right. Of, I don't have to force everything, but as I'm hearing you say that and listening, I'm hearing a sense of, of, deep trust that's involved with that too of can I listen to myself, but then can I also trust myself to act on those things or those materials or those insights that I'm getting? Cause I think those are two very different pieces, right? And I'm sure you see your clients do that all the time as well. They, they know what to do, but then they don't trust themselves enough to then put it in into play. I'm hearing a piece of that in the background of trusting yourself or having faith uh, and a willingness to then, go forward in maybe a different way rather than one that was demonstrated to us by others. And well, you know, even though this is what I should do, this is what I know I should do. And I'm going to go do that. Um, I don't know if that's resonating, but that's as I was listening, that was, was coming through for me. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, and I, and I think it's, it's a practice, you know, it's one that I continue to practice. Sometimes I do better than other times in my practice of that, but it's almost irrefutable. Um, and even on the times, guys, when I've listened to that inner guidance and done the thing, and I'd go, well, that didn't work out too well. You know, maybe it caused conflict or maybe something went south when I wanted it to go north, you know, whatever. I've also learned to trust that. Like, it might appear that it's the wrong thing at the time, but if in fact I'm looking at my life through the lens of learning, learning and growth, maybe I got a life lesson in there that took me to a whole nother level of awareness that I would not have otherwise had. So to your point, Nick, like it's listening and trusting, even when the shit hits the fan, <laughs> you know, or when it doesn't look like it's going in my favor. Right. Yeah. I, I read something the other day that said through this in the spiritual world, resentment is never justified. And I was like, well, that's a big, that's a big piece. And the author was saying, because if, if we have resentment, we're judging and we're only seeing it from this perspective, maybe of our personality. 
and we're we're lacking the ability to, ability to zoom out from a bigger global universal perspective and be like, yeah, in the moment, this was terrible. And it might be exactly what I needed to learn and grow and propel myself forward. And I think that's such an incredible message for all of us as people, as leaders is to in the moment, can we deal with the discomfort and step back and know and trust that it may be the exact step that's getting us to the perfect next piece. And I, I, that was, to me, that was, that was a lightning rod when I read that and kind of the universal perfective, uh, perfection. And Netanyahu, you're muted. Yes, on purpose there <laughs> to avoid the listeners hearing me burp. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect burp at the perfect time. You saved us from your burp. I love it, man. It you're, a th- you're a thoughtful man. And, or maybe it could have been man. perfect. Who knows? Yeah, it could have been. Could have been <laughs> to been the perfect. topic. <laughs> a better point, yeah. Um, but that that's so key, actually. You know, uh, Nick, That real, when, once that realization occurs, that, okay, like I really don't have to judge things that are occurring in my day-to-day life. Yeah, sometimes I like it. Sometimes I may dislike it. Sometimes it's to my immediate favors, you know, uh, but that there's a lesson in all of it. And I think we talked about this in an episode or two back, back how so everything is, we talk, per, talked about this concept of how everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, if it wasn't, it wouldn't be happening. And how the universe doesn't fuck up. Nope. Yeah, uh, it doesn't. And I'm curious, actually, Stefan, you know, when you were um, explaining the uh, the point around just uh, listening and listening to your inner self, more importantly, you know, there's times when I hear often from um, even myself, I would say, frankly, and others that they don't know sometimes, is it just my brain spinning up a conversation and I should listen to it? Or is it really that inner soul guidance? Uh, how do I know when it's really the guidance versus when it's just my brain just going in 10 different directions? Do you have any insight or guidance there to offer for folks on how to be able to differentiate or navigate along that a little bit? Maybe I do. But I think that, again, for the listeners, it's like you'll start uh, when one practices this more regularly, the quality that you'll notice from the information, the texture of it is what's key. So when I'm spinning in my head on, you know, whatever the thought is or the idea is, oftentimes it's coming from unconscious patterning, which is familiar. But just because it's familiar doesn't mean it's my preference. So we could ask the question, why do some people get in the same kind of toxic relationships over and over again? Because of unconscious patterning. So to rewire the neural pathways and to open up the cellular, the the cellular function of our beingness, we practice this inner guidance and listen for the quality of it. And it's distinctly different. But the key piece to it from my experience in my own survey is to get altitude and get awareness. So for me, I can feel like I'm really heady and I go, no, that's not the quality. That's not the texture. Heady in in your head. In my head, almost like it's right here. And that's, the mind's a great thing, right? It's not to diss on the brain or the intellect, but I believe in a thing more powerful called intelligence, which is, 
really integrating wisdom and inner guidance with what my mind knows. So that's the that's that's a short way of saying what we could probably guys spend weeks on unpacking and uncovering the neuroscience of it, number one, but just the feeling of it. So to listen for the feeling that this is a more heart centered. I'm on I'm 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 highly involved, but I'm unattached. Often mm -hmm. the other one, I'm highly attached. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's helpful at all, Nitin, but that's those are some thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, There's, definitely helpful. And actually, one that's been one of the ways, at least I've been able to explain it, you know, when when coaching clients myself, which is there's almost like I describe it as the heart mind conflict. And, you know, there's there's the I really have this deep knowing it may not be justified. It may feel risky, but there's something within that's that's calling me towards this cause or idea or topic or whatever it may be. But you know, if my brain starts to think about it, maybe it doesn't make sense. Maybe it actually seems like the foolish thing to do or pursue and maybe money wise and other reasons or what I've done in my career to date wouldn't justify me going in this new direction. And so often that's how, I, you know, to, towards the latter. And when you were talking about a little bit of the heartfelt versus mindful, that's, that's definitely been one of the mind frames I've been able to exp explain it through as well. Nick, you were going to add something. Well, just the the piece that, and I was I was looking at your website, and the, the piece we talked about a little before we started recording around coaching the whole person, right? The whole woman or the whole man, and and that really resonated for me. And and I think what I'm hearing you say too is that I think especially leaders, right? Especially the smartest people in the room, they're so smart, you know, and their worlds are dominated by their minds, but we're they're leaving out other bodies, physical body, emotional body, spiritual body. Uh, you could even talk about the chakras. That would be like the electrical system. And I guess what I'm hearing us talk about now is not just operating from our minds, operating from this wholeness, which would be like head, heart, and guts. And from this, you know, 360 degree system of all of my chakras, all of my emotions, from there, what's the higher knowledge rather than just from my mind, which is it's an operating system and it's powerful and it's limited. And I know a lot of your work is around being limitless. So I mean, how does this show up for you guys where we're operating through not just the mind, but through this whole system that we have access to that a lot of people simply don't know about? It's not secret stuff, but it's it's not what's taught in school. And if this is, you know, where we're I think where we're all at. But I'd love to hear your guys take on that of how do we make decisions from our wholeness rather just from our from our minds, which we're which we're which we're taught how to do. Yeah. Um Nitin, go ahead, man. I mean, something I've been doing recently um, is just this concept of helping people break out of their shell a little bit by just saying, hey, what would what would be the most ultimate version of your dream life that you would love to be living? You know, today you're talking to me, you're doing X, Y, Z. It may be, or, you know, some aspects maybe meet that definition, others maybe don't, but let's just start from scratch. Let's just say you could design whatever it is you wanted in your life, you know, paint me a picture of what your ideal life would be. And people are like, wait, I can do that. You mean I don't have to just limit myself to the circumstances around me or for waiting for my boss to promote me and then maybe choosing to feel happy or then maybe choosing to feel like what I want next in life. Oh, wait, I don't have to wait till 20 years from now when I retire and then maybe thinking about my free days. 
So mm-hmm. it takes people out of their shell a little bit. And I've found that to be helpful. They still need guidance. You still got to provide some guidance on how to now, okay, the doors are wide open. All channels are wide open. How do you now think about this like dream life? What does it mean? So, you know, I know a lot of us coaches are familiar with the wheel of life concept. And I'll often start just walking people through that to say like, okay, where are you today? Where would you rather be? Let's just start there. Uh, and that's something I found sort of like helping to start that limitless conversation. Mm. Then, of course, the doubt creeps in soon after. It's like, wait, okay, great. I can write it on paper. But are you telling me it's just going to come to life? I can just think my way through this? I'm like, where are they written that you just have to think and things will happen? But doesn't everything start as a thought? So mm-hmm. if you haven't even put in the thought to say what your dream life should be, you think some magic out there is just going to define it for you? No, I mean, you've got to start somewhere. So start with the thought channel in the energy and then channel in the actions actions are absolutely 100 percent necessary you know nick and i we talk about the yoga concept of 100 uh, effort zero attachment very hard but very true yeah yeah well i i love what you're saying there about like maybe to bring in the shadows of it you know the it's scary for most of us humans to break out of our preconceived notions or ideas about what's possible. And when I, when I look through history and I mean, we could cite lots of people, but today I'll just bring up Einstein, Albert Einstein, you know, was very well practiced at what I call creative or generative questions. And so when he was struggling and grappling with universal principle or limitations of the mind, he would pivot to, a forward focused open-ended question that would often start with what or how. And mm-hmm. when that happens, the IntelliKey, what I call the IntelliKey, like that sparks the soul, like those questions to your point earlier, Nick, that's physical, emotional, mental, and, and spiritual. Mm-hmm. Those questions require a full embodiment of a human being to answer it, but not closed ended questions. You know, closed-ended questions, nothing wrong with them. But when you think of corporate America or many of the clients we work with, many of my clients, they're practiced at closed-ended questions like, did you finish the project? Mm-hmm. No. And now it's now we're stuck rather than how could we finish the project on quality and on time in half the amount of time or something like that. So now the entire beingness of a leader, the collaboration of an entire team is now engaged toward a solution that otherwise we wouldn't have seen. So I like to look toward simple application of these very complicated processes because, you know, I love talking about it and unwinding it and unpacking it, but what I'm gonna do in the morning when I wanna achieve full possibility is ask a really strong, open into generative questions, see what my body tells me to do, what the spirit, what God tells, guides me through my own knowing in what direction to go. And it's probably not one I've thought of before. It might be, hmm. but it may, it may very well not be. I, so sounds what like- I'm hearing there is that like language, language closes our doors to hmm. possibility. You know, if we're all sitting together and we say, okay, well, you know, how can we, how can we do this? And if one of us says, well, we can't, 
the possibilities are shut. And I, and what I guess what I'm hearing now too, is the possibilities are shut in all of the bodies, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. And yeah. when we stay with what's possible, especially through our language of what is possible, can we do this? Well, that would even be close. How, how can we do this? What are different ways we can do this? And then stay, I guess what I'm hearing now is staying open to the different ways that information comes to us and through us. How does my body feel? Does it feel excited? Does it feel scared? Does it feel nervous? Well, those might be signs that we're in the right ballpark because it's outside of our box. It's new. It's, it's challenging, right? Or, you know, is there someone in the room who always says no, no matter what? <laughs> and how do we, how do we, oh, how do we consciously push back and say, well, what do you think? How could you do this? Right. And I guess I'm just hearing as our language closes doors and in the same way, our language opens all doors to all of the different bodies, which I just love that thought as, as we're, that's coming out. The language opens doors to all the bodies, infinite realities, infinite possibilities. Mm -hmm. hmm. Beautiful. I, I love the higher intelligence of this conversation because it's, to me, when I look at the world and the things going on in the world today, I don't think the solutions are gonna come from our current way of thinking. I mean, there you go again. I, I think it was Einstein actually that said, you can't, you can't solve a problem with the level of thinking you had when you made the problem. So mm -hmm. it's like, if I yeah. bastardized it, I just messed it up the quote, but it's along the lines of that. And so this engages the universal principles or the higher intelligence. And, and I like to say for the highest good, because to you guys is yoga point. That's hundred percent effort with very little or no attachment. Um, I don't know if I'm ever fully unattached, to be honest. I'm working toward that, but it's like us that. Too. Is, uh, us too. Yeah. Well, and so, but the more unattached I am, I think there's some beautiful relationship between attachment and possibility. So if I mm -hmm. can be less attached, more possibility. Why? Because there's a, there's a solution out there that I haven't thought of yet or felt into yet or seen yet. So I love it. I love it. I love it. This is good stuff. Yeah. And, you know, um, another take on that I've even seen, like to just build on the, the approach around questioning is like, often there's an outcome in mind, right? Through whatever project or uh, approach, but there's usually many, many different approaches that may get you to the same outcome. You know, hence why when you put 10 teams towards something in a corporate environment, they come up with really wild approaches that help actually get to the same customer outcome. Of course, you know, there's, there's all this money you have to make to sustain a corporation and grow, but usually the customer outcome or the pain you're trying to solve for the customer, that can take many, many different routes um, as you try to get to actually solving the core problem that the customer is experiencing. So I love that. One of the things I heard you um, talk about, Stefan, that I've actually never heard before in line of questioning is you mentioned the word regenerative when you were describing Einstein. And is that just the nature of the question that kind of helps you reframe the way you're approaching something or is there something deeper there? I think, you know, generative is a creation. So to generate something new has to, as, you're, as you said earlier, like there's a new thought. There's a new way of being and the combination of a new way of being with a new thought, that's miraculous. So I want to generate that from an empty place or a clean canvas. 
Um, so to make it more practical, let's look at customer relations as an example. It's one of my <laughs> sort of loves and pet peeves too, because it's very rare to get on the phone or be in a, in a situation where someone in customer service or customer relations is considering you as a customer in this way. There's usually a process that's one, two, three, or protocol for serving the customer. But to your point, there's a million solutions. And I, and I, and I feel like one of the things we need to overcome in business is how we're pinned down like with systems that limit us from all kinds of possible solutions. And it's more fun for the worker, for the employee, for the manager, for the leader, for me. It's more fun to generate. It's more fun to create than to go, oh, no, we, we don't do that. We can't do that. Mm -hmm. We've never been able to do that. And if even if, it, if a person points out solutions, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to lose my job. My manager will never approve this. But it makes no sense. I mean, I won't be naming names today of companies, but I recently experienced a situation where it cost the company 10 times more money to do the principle and the protocol or the process than the simple solution of flipping a switch and changing the name of a customer. But they wouldn't see it. They couldn't see it. And mm -hmm. so that's problematic from my view because to your point earlier, business is about margins to the bottom line and contributions. And right now it's, it's currency, but who knows what day, what day it'll be digital currency or some other way. But regardless, it's still margins. It's still a way to measure value. Mm -hmm. So that's what I meant by generate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Creating sort of the ethos within which, you know, new ideas can emerge and folks actually have some degree of freedom to actually be able to act upon them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Leadership. And, and I'm hearing in there autonomy and coming back to that self-trust empowering, right? And I think from a conscious lens, how do we empower our staff, our team, our clients to make the decisions that are right for them? There's the way that I operate my company tribe is I, I say there's a, there's a freedom within a framework. I don't know what you guys think about that. So instead of saying there's no framework, there's no rules, I think what happens are people constrict. They, they get freaked out because there's no container. But what I'll try to do is create a conscious container and say, okay, here's, here's what you can do. You, within this framework, you can do, do whatever you want. And it's up to you to figure out the ways to get to your own answers within that. You know? And then if, if they step outside the framework or if they, if they make mistakes, then we have a chance to coach and learn and grow. But I like to give them as much autonomy as I can so that they feel empowered to make their own decisions and also empowered to make a mistake, you know, empowered to, to make a judgment call and then find out for themselves, was it the right thing to do or how could they have done it better? And, and to kind of go back from before, I mean, that's how we learn and grow. We don't, I don't know if we learn and grow through restriction as much, you know, of kind of what you were saying of, we can't do this. We don't do this. We've never done that. It's like, well, then we're going to get the same results that we've been getting for years because we're not willing to change. We're not willing to go to another system or body to inform us how to be different, how to, how to grow, how to change. So yeah, I'm with you. The, the mind, the mind is so limited. I, I'll share. I was, I was high on shrooms a couple of weeks ago and kind of back to your, your, uh, your Einstein point. I had this, this realization of, I can't change the state that I'm stuck in from the state that I'm in. 
was was the insight that mm-hmm. came through and this is maybe one of more of those those deeper knowledge i can't stay i can't change the state i'm stuck in from the state i'm in so i had to get myself into a different state and that doesn't mean you need to be on shrooms but it could be a conversation like this in a container it could be having a drink with a friend at a bar going for a walk doing yoga so we've got to shift our state of being if we want to shift our realities we i don't like einstein said i don't think we can change make change from the same paradigm we've got to get above it as you referred to or or away from it um but yeah that one just landed right and we i think we talked about how do we know when it's that different texture how do we know when it's that different experience well i was in a different state yeah it felt different it felt alive yeah you know we heard so much in 2020 about getting back to normal you know and i was one of those people that I sure wasn't in judgment about when people said it because I could under, I had for myself included, like a part of me, my basic self, you know, the little boy in me wants to go back to normal because it's comfortable. But I also knew that there was no going back to normal that still to this day, I go, why would we ever fricking want that when we Mm -hmm. were so limited with what normal was and what's so great about normal? You know, we, and then we saw the great resignations happen. A lot of my clients were like, my biggest problem is keeping people. You know, mm-hmm. people, people got a taste of working out of their home, taking their dog for a walk, spending more time with their spouses, eating healthy food at home versus some cafeteria or fast food for a quick meal at work in their, in their office. And they were like, I'm, not, I'm just not doing this anymore. So leaders have to get more creative uh, and helping employees, to your point, with a framework to generate solutions. We saw what happened. You guys probably don't remember this because I'm a lot older than both of you, but Nordstrom tried the customer service thing of the customer's always right. Mm-hmm. So then people would come in with, you know, a tie or something with gravy stains all over it and, you know, was cut off at the tip or something, and you know, r- ridiculous stuff. And the customer service person would replace it or return the money. Well, clearly that's not good for business. So I think, you know, Nick, you make a good point about framework because it also supports that person in going, all right, I get to move inside this framework. It's like, we're playing a game. If we're playing a game, you got to stay on the field, but there's so many different plays we can run. Right. And, and within the confines of the field, we got to score the the goal on the field, not off the field. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the creativity that can be displayed while playing the game of life and leadership is so far reaching. So um, I'm with you guys on that. And maybe people want to work more that that way. Maybe people will share more creativity and discretionary energy with the workplace with these uh, ideas. I love the idea of, you know, we've heard that before, but sometimes it's just simple works of taking the idea of it's a game to the corporate world or to our, or to our own lives. And okay, on the field, here's, here's the, here's the, here's the objective and then figure it out for yourself. I mean, I've, that's what I've kind of heard between the three of us is we all have different ways to figuring ourselves out. We all have different ways of figuring out how to prime ourselves for the day, what success looks like, how we want to work with our, our clients, our families. And it's up to each one of us to figure out what that perfect mix is, what that perfect play is, if you will, in this moment. Uh, and we're all going to the same direction, right? Which is self-awareness, self-acknowledgement, maybe enlightenment. But how we get there is up to each and every one of us to decide for ourselves. And mm. isn't that more fun? 
Doesn't doesn't that have more joy? Doesn't it have more freedom? And I don't know about you guys, when I'm joyful, when I feel free, that's when I'm not that's when I'm unattached. And that's when I have ideas that I would have never come up with from a state of fear or a state of of lack or less than. And it's like the freedom is what creates the creativity, the generation, the the beauty, um, which you know, I can even feel it in myself as I'm talking. That feels exciting. That feels regenerative to just even get into that state of what's possible rather than what is not. Yeah. I'm kind of curious to hear, Stefan, uh, your perspective on, you know, where I where I'm often finding people are as they're trying to think of like, you know, creating some sort of abundance, like getting getting to the next point, you know, in that being in that state of joy and flow. Often, though, I've, I find folks are just trying to say, OK, how can I make enough money? How can I get to this word financial independence, which they most folks talk about it, but haven't defined it for themselves. Uh, so it ends up being this arbitrary, arbitrary milestone out sometime in space, not sure exactly when or what amount. But then as a result of that, create this sort of like underlying foundation of I don't have enough and thereby I am not allowed to think and venture out of the frame that I'm in today you know, whatever job that might be paying my bills or the career that's keeping the, the boat afloat. I'm curious, as you talk about the concept of limitlessness, how do you help people move beyond that? And is that, a, is that a common experience that you also have witnessed? Oh my gosh, yeah, it's such a, such a great question. Um, so I work often, maybe you guys do too, I work often in distinctions because people I included can hear a distinction and then I can make a shift toward the distinction I want more of. So one classic distinction is scarcity, or you could call it stinginess, mm. you know, and, and, and let's just say generosity. So again, if we go back to a person's childhood, uh, without going way deep into it, let's say that a person had a parent that when you were exuberant, or highly enthusiastic about something. They were like, calm down, Nick, calm down, Nick. And Stephen, calm down. It's, it's time for bed. You need to relax and get yourself mm -hmm. quiet, which is just, you know, it's a parent doing their best. But the, the patterning now becomes, oh, I get reprimanded when I am generous with my enthusiasm or my joy. So we have this opportunity to rewire and become who we are at an authentic self level, which is enthusiastic, inspired, joyful. These are attributes of the soul, at least in my belief system. Like mm -hmm. the soul is naturally enthusiastic, theos, another word for God, right? So we can be inspired and enthusiastic, but sometimes we have to retrain our brain and our, all of our bodies to be generous with, with self. And I, I don't mean like, you know, in a way that inflicts on others. I mean, on a way that's just very naturally, you know, it flows. It's like in a very real way, it's a, it's just allowing the natural energy to flow instead of, like mocking it up um, and real quick, and then I'll zip it and hear you guys what you, what you think of this. But I think in terms of like, there's, when I talk about light, 
in my work. There's magnetic light, which there's nothing wrong with, but it's a lot of charisma. And so it's a person when you're around them, you're kind of like, shit, I could do this when you're around them. But when you're not around them, you're kind of like, I lost my inspiration, mm-hmm. but you didn't really. So in, in my work, what I focus on a lot is more like Holy Spirit light, or you, you don't even have to use Holy Spirit. You could just say like natural light that is endemic to all of us. So I want to spark that in another human being. And once that gets sparked, then the belief system for that person is I can do this because I'm sourcing it. Mm-hmm. It's not being sourced by Steven or Nick or Nitten or Tony Robbins. It's yep. being sparked by you as source. And once a person realizes that we come back home to self. And when we come back home to self, everything's freaking possible. Cause now it's not dependent on what someone else thinks of us, which is a whole nother conversation. Cause being a leader is tough. Mm-hmm. If you've ever had a character assassination or you've been beat up for being uh enthusiastic or whatever it is that's a whole thing to work through for leaders you know we 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 grew up watching great leaders get what crucified assassinated uh, over and over again when they were making big changes so that's another reason people withhold but there's also gajillions of examples where people were not crucified or assassinated for making positive changes it happens every day all day long so those are some thoughts. What do you guys think of all that? There, there, I had so many thoughts coming through on that. I actually, <laughs> I want to ask a follow-up. I want to ask a follow-up. I mean, but, you know, if we look at the Bible, look at Jesus. If you shine too bright, you get hung to a cross. That's in our DNA as people. I don't want to shine too bright because if I do, I'm going to make someone else uncomfortable. And then I'm going to be hung at the proverbial stake. That's massive programming. It's a massive amount of internal wiring that tells us don't shine too bright. Don't show your greatness. I mean, that's one of the main conversations I have with my students is I'm a, what, what happens when I do this. Um, but I love the piece around source, something that I've, I've felt and I don't know about you guys is I feel a sense of I'm connected to the source, right? Like I'm kind of plugged into the to source and, and I can see in both of you that you are too. And I've noticed people come to me to get a hit of that source, right? So in essence, they're coming to us for motivation. But I think what we want to teach, to your point, Stephen, is inspiration. Where, no, you too can learn how to plug into this source. You, t- you don't need to come to me or Stephen or Nitin or Tony Robbins because you're not less than. You're not broken. You don't need to be fixed. You're perfect. You forgot. So come, get a hit, get a hit of the source and then go walk away and then be like, wait, well, if they can do that, then why can't I? They're, they're, oper- they're running the same operating system, the same bodies. So how can we as conscious leaders say, don't not look at me, look what I can do. But hey, here's ways to plug into source, to feel inspired, to feel joy, to feel freedom. And here's how you do it. Or here's some ways that you can go do it. Or here's some tools. And I, I want to see that message out there in the world more. You're not broken. You don't need, so, you don't need so, anyone else to tap into source. You know, I saw you were a, uh, you were a minister, I believe. Right. And it's yeah. people don't, you don't have to go to the clergy to get to God. I mean, that is, that's control. That's power. How do we show people how to do that? But I, w- I would love to know as a follow-up question. So you were saying that a lot of this growth is around reprogramming our minds. 
So Stephen, what's your, what's your approach there? So let's say someone figures out, okay, I have a limited belief system. I don't think I'm good enough. Maybe we just go to one of the, the main ones. Once they do that, then what? I mean, the awareness is great, but where's, how do you then move someone to, let's use the same language, like rewire or reprogram those beliefs, those neurons, so that then the reality can shift from there. What would be the, the kind of next step in that process? I, I think it's everything from prayer to breath to new thought to just, you know, recognizing a pattern and going, I'm, I'm going to say next and have a new thought and a new direction. And what, what helps people is to just imagine that you're on the back patio of a beautiful farm land and there's tall grass and you look out on the back patio and you see a path that's worn and you're going to step off the back porch. Well, it just looks easier to get to the lake to take that path because it's worn. What's required for new thought, for new consciousness, for all the things we've talked about today is stepping off the back porch of our brain and going through the thick grass. And it's going to be weird because there's no path. So it's going to be stepping into the unknown. It's going to feel awkward. It, it's going to look awkward. It requires courage. But once you do that and you look back, you go even one time down that new path, you can see where you went. I'm a big mm -hmm. nature person. So out here where I live, I'm on 12 acres and I can, I can see where the deer go. After one evening of them going a different way, you can see the path. And our brains are like that. Even though we're not 14 anymore, which is, by the way, easier up till about that age to form new neural pathways. But I'm 60 now. I can still do it as long as I'm willing to do it long enough and practice it long enough. How do I do it more practically? Take a different route to the store. Read new books. Be around different people. I moved across the country from a familiar home state of Colorado or home state of Colorado and my, my family of origin, all my friends, all my clients literally moved to California. And one reason I want to be near the ocean. Another mm -hmm. reason was I wanted a whole new life, scary, but everything was new. What happened for me is like David Brooks talks about in his book, the second mountain, which is a whole new world occurred for me. Mm. So we can actually apply this stuff in, in environments. We can actually apply it in ways we go, well, I don't want to move. Well, you don't have to move. But you might start playing a musical instrument when you're 60 or learn a new language or, again, get in conversations with people you would normally go, I got nothing in common with her or nothing in common with him. Yeah. We're, our political viewpoints are very different. Well, good. Get in there and listen and see what comes for you in that conversation, which might be we have more in common than we thought we did. That's a whole nother topic, right, guys? But those are those are mm -hmm. some practical ways to approach this whole state of yeah. change. Yeah, sort of break, breaking it down into little steps that might shift 
you know, a part of the mindset at a time, expose you to something new. Even listening to this podcast is probably going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Self plug. Um, but that, that's awesome. Because I feel like actually I've been sending some of my clients actually into the thick grass. You know, when you mentioned that, that was such a beautiful uh, analogy, by the way. Um, because I'll, I'll often say something like, okay, great. You know, there's a problem maybe you're trying to solve or you're having a little tough time imagining an outcome next morning when you take a shower right afterwards, you're not going to just jump out and run away. Take a moment, sit down, make yourself comfortable, take a few breaths, close your eyes for two minutes, two minutes, not too, not too long. And then whatever the topic is, just focus on that, right? And just notice what comes up. Yeah. Is there a feeling that comes up? Is there a parallel thought that comes up? If your mind strays to another topic, that's all right. Just gently bring it back to the topic you want to focus on. At that time, that post-shower time, right? We're relaxed. We're more in touch with the source as we're referring to it than usually at any other time in the day. You know, we're rested. We're just got refreshed. And we're calm. So for those, you know, that are probably wondering, like, what are these guys talking about? What is this source? How do I connect into it? Is it some outlet in my house that no one told me about? <laughs> it's just you getting into a relaxed state, you know, your best mm -hmm. calm state. And, you know, usually in meditation, we'll even talk about not focusing on anything, focusing on the source itself. But for now, to begin, focus on whatever topic you feel like you have unresolved in your life. You know, maybe it's a question, maybe it's a project, maybe it's a deadline and notice what comes up. That is literally the source trying to help you solve the very thing that is top of your mind. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious that. if you, if you share tips like that and what tips you share, you know, to help your clients sort of just that first level of connection. Well, I think you make a good point about this, about the shower. I mean, it can be very simple. It could be a poem. It could be, you know, uh, Nick and I were chatting a little bit before you came on, Nitin, but it's like, you know, I think you share too these, you know, wellness, well-being hacks. So cold immersion. Why do I do cold immersion? I do cold immersion not because I, I love freezing my ass off. I've got a freezer in my garage. I keep it at about 52 degrees or sometimes lower. And I get in there three to four times a week for three to four minutes because what happens in there for me is I get to direct my mind. So it's a practice where it's uncomfortable until it's not. Will it ever be comfortable for me to sit in ice freaking cold water for five minutes? I doubt it. But what I know is it's getting better. And that what's changing is I noticed after practicing this for about 18 months, I was just more peaceful mm -hmm. in my day when other shit was going down, maybe traffic or someone was angry. I was in maybe a conversation where someone was in conflict or whatever. I noticed I was more calm because I'm retraining my brain. And, and some, someone could say, well, is that source? Could be. What do I know? What is that? And again, I go back to allow it. These are natural states for us. These are not things we have to mock up and fake. This is, it's more natural for me to be Steven 
just as it is more natural for Nick to be Nick and Nitten to be Nitten than mm-hmm. to be someone like Nick or someone like Steven. I mean, fuck that. That's a, that's a big thing we see in the world is people, you know, sort of comparing themselves to other people when the most natural thing is to be ourselves, which I think is part of the source conversation mm-hmm. because it's authentic. So those are some, you know, I don't know. There's a million, t- there's a million ways to get there. Yeah. yeah, and it's then it's a great reminder is the source is never outside of ourselves. Yeah, it's an internal connection. We can go to teachers, coaches, mentors to help insights and get tools, but never forget it's never outside of ourselves. And how what I'm hearing from all of us to kind of wrap up, I know Stephen, you got to go. Is it doesn't matter how we get to source, whatever gets you there, use that. And if it works, use it and use it until it doesn't work, and then get rid of it and move shift change find something new and that's how i think we find source and we maintain that connection to it and remember it's never outside of ourselves it's not something we go get it's something we already have um yeah yeah. beautiful guys beautiful well steven any any plug or anything you want to tell us about i think you have a training coming up um how do we how do we find you what are some things you got going on and uh, uh, what's that nick I said, and thanks for the convo. Loved it. Oh, I love being with you guys. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm inspired by you both. Thank you for the work you're doing. I don't think we could have too many of these conversations. They're so enlivening, and I'm grateful to be part of it. Um, so more to come. Uh, McGee, M-C-G-H-E-E, leadership.com. The next program I'm doing is full, but I'll do another one later on the L4. Um, but if you want to learn more about what I do, there's a movie out there I did and a couple of books out there. And but it's Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. And then McGee is M-C-G-H-E-E, Stephen McGee. Great. And uh, we'll have that in the show notes so people can go to your website, check you out and uh, connect with you if, if they want to step up their leadership game. Well, you know, I, I, to the point, I think everyone has it inside. Not one soul will be lost. Everyone's got it innate inside of them to to our overarching point here so great Mm -hmm. uh, great conversation guys thank you absolutely thank you appreciate it thanks for listening in if you want any more information about our guests today uh, about any of the sessions or or offerings that were presented uh, as well as about myself Nitin or Nick here, you can find all the links to our websites and how to get in touch with us through the episode notes. And as always, don't forget, if you like what you heard, share it with friends and family, spread the love, spread the collective consciousness, and help us raise the consciousness as a whole.